God has arisen in our midst. Luke chapter 15. I want to just give you an invitation if you are interested in church membership here at South Metro Ministries. That on October the 6th, Wednesday night week, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, I'll be teaching a class on church membership. And if you're interested in membership, that's the process. Come to the class and be informed. And then the Sunday after that, we also give opportunity for membership. So October the 6th, we'll give you that information about church membership. And I trust that you'll participate and uh, learn more about us if you're not a member of this church. And the Lord has led, led you here and guided you and you feel like this will be your home then I encourage you to join because the church is not man's idea. It's God's idea. And anything that's God's idea has a purpose and a good purpose. Chapter 15 of Luke, beginning at verse number 11. If this is not the most popular of the parables of Jesus, it probably ranks at the top. Verse 11, Luke 15 says, A certain man had two sons. And the young of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of good that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Then when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now this story is more about the father than it is about the son. This story is about a father whose heart was broken. Who was troubled. Whose dreams and visions for his boy was devastated by his son's request. But this father had another thought in mind. Just can't end this way with my boy. And this father, above your head, 
heavenly father has got some words about some of you over which the devil has said, I got you. I got your health. I got your marriage. I got your mind. I got your joy. I have a plan for you, the devil says. But this father says, the heavenly father says, it just ain't going to end this way. Set your hands in this direction. Ask God to help me so I can help you and all of us will be helped. Come on, pray with me. Pray for me, somebody, because what you sow in this prayer will bring you a return. My Father, I I thank you today. I, I know this is a very familiar parable. I'm almost reluctant to use it because it's not that it needs to be explained again. And I'm not preaching it just because I'm a preacher. But I thank you for the word, the hope, the principles that is in this story for all of us, regardless of our health, our marriage, our money, our mind, our sins, if we have sins. Oh, Heavenly Father, just release your anointing on everyone here. And I don't just want to buy time. I don't want to entertain people. I want the fire of the Holy Ghost to burn in me and burn in us. Amen, church. I want resurrection power to come up in all of us. I don't want us to be bored and and twiddle our thumbs and look for something to distract us. I want us to be riveted by the Word of God. Not the preacher, but the Word that will change our lives. And if you believe the Word will change your life, would you say amen? Thank you for that. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open, please, to this reference. I begin with this thought the Holy Spirit gave me on Friday. Here it is about this story. Life can put you in a hog pen existence or you can put your life in a hog pen existence. Either way, it doesn't have to end that way. Say amen. The young man in today's story has come to be known as the prodigal son. It's known as the parable of the prodigal son. The word prodigal means given to reckless spending. You find that in verse number 13, the last part. And there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The word prodigal means wasteful living. You know, you only have one life. Give me a witness. And last Sunday, I spoke to you about Samson. And how God had given him the anointing and strength. And how he wasted his strength in hanging out with the wrong people and making wrong choices. This is what this boy, this son, did with his life. The word prodigal also means squander. Again, verse 13, the last few words, and they wasted his possession with prodigal leaving, meaning meaning squandering what was his by way of his father's generosity. His journey to the hog pen begins when he decides that he's not going to wait for his inheritance at the death of his father. He wants it right now. When he approaches his father with this request, he was basically saying to his dad, You are as good as dead to me, so I want what's coming to me now. 
Now, when you study this text, you understand that his father was truly a loving man. Because according to the law of Moses in this day and time, this son would be considered rebellious and disrespectful and a disgrace to his family. And all the father would have had to do according to the law was to take his son to the city gates where the elders of the city would convene a meeting. His father would give evidence of his rebellion and disrespect, meaning that of his son, and there would be a stoning, there would be a pelting, they would take up stones and pelt this boy and take his life because of how blatant and how serious this disrespect is. I somehow believe that there wouldn't have to be a whole lot of stoning of more than one child for the rest of the children to get the idea. And I'm not an advocate of that, I'm just saying if a father wanted to, that was legal at that time. His father doesn't go that route. Aren't you glad your father don't have other options about you? <laughs> Say amen. Uh, you know that your father could just flick you right off the face of the earth. Just me here, just if he gets tired of us. But aren't you glad he doesn't go that route? Uh, one commentator suggested this, and I, I think that maybe it's possible. One commentator says that this selfish request of this prodigal son may have caused his father to sell the family farm in order to give his boy his inheritance. Because if you know anything about farming, most farmers do not have a lot of liquid or otherwise assets available, cash on hand. Most farmers, and maybe farmers, especially in the days of Jesus, uh, were living from one crop to the next. And so the father may have had to sell the property and give it to the boy, his inheritance. But that wasn't. Oh, that important to this boy. What was important to him was that he was going to live it up now and nothing and nobody was going to get in his way. The story says that he departed from his father's house and he goes into a far country. And again, that would be verse 13. And the scripture says he lived in this far place. He lived the good life on the blood, the sweat and the tears of his hardworking dad. He did not invest his inheritance in this far country. He rather enjoyed it to the tune of wine, women, and song. With no money coming in, it was inevitable that he would run out of money. Can I get an amen? With no money coming in, his friends begin to disperse. Because when you're buying the beer and the wine and you're throwing the party and no expense to them, you will get more friends than you got fingers and toes to count. So with the money no longer there and the wild living no longer possible, they said, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Profound little Indian, aren't I? With money being scarce, he didn't have room, money for room and board. The Bible said a famine was now in the land. Now we in America, we have periods of drought. We're going through maybe a little short drought. We have periods of drought, but we still get vegetables and vegetation from someplace else if we still need food. Can I get an amen? We got ships that cross the sea and airplanes that bring uh, food products from other parts of the world. We got parts of the nation growing. So, so we really don't really know what a famine is in America. Give me another witness here, okay? 
But, but there was a famine in the land. It meant that, the, but that the, uh, the ground was parched for lack of rain for a long time. It meant the vegetation died. It meant the streams and rivers that overflowed their banks in the springtime was now narrow, if not dry. It meant the cattle, the livestock was dead and lean or, or, or just not uh, any way going to be in nutrition for the people. And so with there being a famine, jobs were scarce, food was scarce, and livelihood was scarce. And, and the only job this boy could get, this young man could get, was slopping hogs because a farmer was gracious to him. Couldn't pay him for it. His pay was, you can share the slop with the hogs. You all fight over it. Wouldn't that be a terrible plight? Amen? We've come to understand that this young man, then, was homeless, helpless, and hopeless. There is a process from this parable that reveals how he was brought out of the hog pen and back to the father's house, giving him an ending of his life that was far better than he deserved. Maybe you and I, by looking at this briefly, can gain from his journey. Can I get another amen? Maybe you are in a hog pen of some sort and you are saying to yourself, I was put there by my decision or I was put there by somebody else's decision. I was put there by, by being a victim of situation or creating a situation. Maybe, maybe your hog pen of your situation may be your health. It may be your marriage. It may be your joblessness. It may be an addiction. It may be a vice. It may be anger. It may be sickness. And we go, because I want to tell you something. If you abide off in some kind of way, it can be like a hog pen. But I, I want you to look at it with me. And I want you to think about how God says about your life, like this father prayed about his son. It just doesn't have to end this way some words given to me by the holy spirit i want to give to you the first of which is the word desire in verse number 14 of chapter 15 the bible says and he began to be in want brothers and sisters there is good desire and bad desire what we choose will determine whether we live victorious or we end up in a hog pen We can sit around all day and talk about how bad we have it and how nothing good is coming our way. But until we begin to be in want, we are never going to leave the hog pen of our existence. We must get fed up with our present situation in order to move on to something better. (laughs) Am I the only one? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't want to be... If you don't want to be bound by an addiction or a habit or a destructive lifestyle, you don't have to be. There is hope with the Father. If you don't want to break free from your present situation, you are going to stay stuck. And look at somebody beside you and say, don't stay stuck. Yeah, about 50% of us are going to be free because the other you didn't say a thing. That's why I have, I'll have a job for a long time. I'm, I got job security because some of you are going to stay stuck. You know, if I could have some joy and I could get it today, some peace, some joy, some happiness, I could either have it today or tomorrow, I'd just soon go ahead and have it right now. I, I do not want to stay stuck. We look at other people and we envy their car, we envy their house, we envy their clothing, and we think, man, you know, there's a cobweb right there. You think the devil's going to send a spider to get me on my anointing? No, no, no. 
at people and we think, we see that nice car, nice house, nice clothes, we think, instead of thanking God that God bless our brother and sister, because we don't have a desire to improve ourselves, we go criticize and condemn and fault find him. We, we've done that, you know. Somebody had a desire to get a better education so they get better pay, and so they paid the price. They began with a desire, and now they have better. Can I get an amen here? Somebody wanted, they wanted to get a promotion on their job, so they took the exam, and they didn't pass it the first time. But somebody said, you could take it again, and they took it again, and they passed it. Now they're doing better. So they have a better house, a better car, and nice clothes, and things are working out. When you ask those people the testimony, they'll tell you that they didn't have a rich uncle or rich aunt, or they didn't win the lottery for them to get where they are. They had a desire. They had a one-two past generation were like this, but I'm now and I will desire better and I will do better. Here's another word. Discovery. Verse number 17 of the same chapter. But when he came to himself. I think another way to say this if you're taking notes is to say it this way. But when he came to his senses. Has anyone ever asked you when they observed your abnormal behavior? Have they ever said to you, have you taken leave of your senses? I got a friend. He's here today. Uh, Anyhow. When this prodigal son started bragging to people about leaving his father's house. Bless God, I went to my dad. I put my finger in his face and said, Dad, this is mine. And I want it now. And I'm leaving you. And if I never see you again, it'll be too soon. And he's going about bragging. I got money. I got, I, got, I got all this. And my old man and my brother, they're going to have to cultivate the farm. They're going to have to feed the livestock. They're going to have to repair the barns. I'm on my way to living it up. When he started bragging, somebody must have thought about his father's love for him. Somebody must have thought how, his, how the father loved the sons. And they heard him bragging about all that he's going to do with what he never earned. And they might have said this to him. They might have said to him, have you lost your mind? You're going to do what? Isn't that how the devil does? Huh? Isn't it amazing how, how oh boy, when we, are, when we are teenagers and young adults, we know everything. You know? I mean, it's amazing how, how, ah, man, when I, when I have children, you know, after the way my mom and dad disciplined me and corrected me and didn't want me to hang with certain people and go places, I'm thinking, when I have my own children, bless God, they're going to have their freedom. I got children now and I'm calling up, Dad, what do you say about uh, how to do this when so-and-so did this? It's amazing how smart your parents get. Huh? Discovery. This young man, I don't know how long it took for him to spend the cash, throw the parties, be with women and men and partying. I don't know. I don't know whether it was a year he spent his money up or two years. I don't know how long he did. But, but one day he found himself slopping hogs, smelling the stink of a hog pen, have clothes that are ragged and torn, and it stinks. There is no way to shower because the water is not available. The farmer is not going to let him in the house because he is not of his same country or culture. So if he gets any kind... In, in other words... He He smells like the hogs. He slops the hogs and and he sleeps in the hog pen. And the Bible said one day he came to himself. Can I get an amen here? I tell you that God has a better plan for your life than the devil does. 
I tell you that God wants us to make a discovery today that it's not His will that we should perish. Can I get another amen? God, God wants you to discover that He wants your marriage happy. He wants your children off of the addiction of drugs or alcohol if they're on it. God wants you to rediscover through the Bible that He wants your body well. God wants you to rediscover that He has a, a dream and a vision and a hope and a future for your life. And it's better than the plan of Satan. And what you need to do in order to leave the hog pen is say, God, help me to discover your promises and claim them. There's more, please. Not only was it a desire and a discovery... But a decision. I will arise. I'm not waiting for somebody to pick me up or to put me up. I will arise. I will arise out of my self-pity. That's where some of us can get stuck in self-pity. And that's, you see, I have had personally the experience of self-pity. I have had to call off numerous pity parties because the people I invited to mines were having one of their own <laughs> pity party. Yeah. Woe is me. Pity party. And we all, we all have been there. Look what's done to me. And it may be true that somebody did something to you. Look what they said. I'm never going to get out of this. My cancer is worse than somebody else's. My divorce is more painful than somebody else's. The loss of my loved one in death is more harmful than somebody. And I know all these things happen to us and I do not want to underrate our pain. But I'm here to tell you somebody has got to come by. And if they don't come by, then you got to come by your own self. As this boy in the hog pen where nobody else will encourage you. When you discover that there is a father and he might still love you, you need to Say, I will arise. I will get out of my hopelessness. The psalmist David said, hope thou in God, for I will yet praise him. I will get out of my low self-esteem. We sit around thinking, I wish I could be like so-and-so. I wish I could have... A home like they have. I wish I could have the education they have. I wish I could have the talent they have. I wish I could have a, be, a be good behaving children like they have. I, I, I wonder what I've done wrong. And, and we get this low self-esteem. And yet the Bible says to us, as we understand, not literally that I can quote, but the Bible gives us the understanding that God has no favorite sons or daughters. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. If he wanted you to be Billy Graham, he'd have made you Billy Graham. If he wanted you to be some some kind of movie star or some kind of singer somewhere, he'd have made you that. But the fact of the matter, he made you what you are. You are chosen and anointed of God. You need to arise out of low self-esteem and say, I have royal blood in my veins. I'm a child of the Heavenly Father. And he has provisions for me that this world cannot give. Help me praise him. I will arise. Somebody said, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I really believe that. Somebody's got to arise and say, you know what? I will finish high school and get my diploma. I will do it because I want to do better. Somebody, somebody needs to say about their job. I will get a job 
Even if it's flipping hamburgers for minimum wage, because I don't have a job now, but I do need an income, so I will swallow my pride, and I will arise off the couch and lay down the stinking remote and put the chips back in the cupboard and put the clip on it. Yes, the chips. And then I will go and find me a job and quit looking for somebody else to put up with me or put me up. I will arise. Somebody says manual labor is not the name of the president of Mexico. I'm going to go back on the stage. It seems dangerous up here. We got all these high opinion of when they're hiring at $20 an hour, then I'll apply. Listen to me. Have you heard about this economy? If somebody's willing to work for $10 an hour, they, they won't be calling you. You understand? Your job... That you're grumbling about, grappling about, somebody waiting for it. You may not like your job, you may not like your boss, but you like eating and driving a car and having a roof over your head. <laughs> Good Lord, help me. You brought your friends today to impress them, and this ship is sinking fast. <laughs> David's friends, former friends, when they returned back to Ziklag... After they went out on a raid, and they came back to Ziklag where their spouses and children and possessions were, they came back to discover that the enemies had come through and, and taken their wives and children and animals and livestock, taken their family as slaves and take their livestock and burn down their tents and their makeshift homes and the 400 men who had been following David in raids and other kinds of, uh, 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 of a soldier-like uh, endeavors, th- these 400 guys who thought uh, day after day said to David, you're the man, you're the hero, you are a guy. Then when they come back and they saw their houses burned down and their wives and children gone, they talked about killing, Joseph, uh, killing David. How I many know you better care, be careful who's following you? Huh? <laughs> Ed Young Jr. said, he said, there are three kinds of people in this world. Three kinds. There are those who are with you. I got your back, Pastor. I'm with you. I got, I'm with you. I'm with you through thick and thin. Then there are those who are for you. Rah, 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 Pastor. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah, yeah, Pastor. Rah, rah, rah. And next week they may find somebody else to rah, rah, rah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit the road. There are those who are. With you, for you, and then there are those who will use you. You've got to be careful who's got your back. These boys said, we're going to kill you, David, we, we, we gonna, because our family's gone. And the Bible says, David in, encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, sometimes when I'm singing, I ain't got you in mind. And I know some of you thinking, I'm glad because I heard you sing. Uh, Uh, I got me in mind. You know, sometimes when I'm preaching, I love you and I want to bless you. I really do, but I'm working on my own attitude. My own attitude. I will arise. I, like, I got to talk to myself. Listen, if you're going to go on to the crazy house for something, go to the crazy house for talking God stuff. But when you talk God stuff, you ain't going to no crazy house. I will arise. <laughs> Somebody got to rise up and say, you know what? I, I created these credit card debts. I bought that house. 
those clothes and all this stuff with the intention to pay, and I will pay my debts. I will arise. Did, did anybody hear me? Uh, somebody else needs to say, I, I will apologize. It's my mouth that said it. It's my, I will. I will not send a fax, a text, an email. I, I, I will not, uh, I, I will, I will go to my father. Did, did, did the boy say that? I, I will go. To, I will arrive. I will. I will. I may have to eat dirt. I may have to fall in the sand because of the disgraceful way I, I treated my father. I, it's been three years, five years. I don't know how long. I never called him because they didn't have phones. They didn't have texts. I, I never sent a letter to my father. I treated my father with disdain and disgust. If he don't even want to see my face, that will be as good treatment as I deserve. But I am not going to sit here and watch my life end up with the swines, I will arise. Clap your hands, somebody. Well, if you get up, you got to be careful where you're going. Direction. Direction means that desire without proper direction can lead you in the hog pen every time. You see, the problem with our culture in America and the problem with the church in America is that we are not short on desire, is that we have gone in too many wrong directions too many times. Yes, I said a lot there. The Bible says in verse 13, he journeyed into a far country. Some people get the idea when their life goes bad, I need to change residence. You might, but not always. Boy, if I could go to Miami, they're hiring down there and all my trouble, I'll just leave Georgia and go down to Miami. Uh, I, I put it my foot out there now. Well, let's choose another city. If I go up to New York, leave my trouble behind in Georgia. You think you got trouble in Georgia? When last time you been to Miami? And I'm from Trinidad. I think I'll just go to Trinidad. When last time you been to Trinidad? Oh, if I could just change my direction. Oh, God, this is a CD. It's going to be on the Internet. Yes, thank God. Men who won't get out and get a job and support their family right here in Georgia want to go to Houston, Texas, where the cowboys. Thank you for the rain, Lord. Is that the rain? Come on. Somebody thank the Lord for the rain. Yeah. You see, l- l- let me hurry here, because I want you all to get wet to appreciate the rain. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, in order for us to get out of our hog pen, we don't need a change of address. We need a change of heart. Because wherever you go, that's where you are. <laughs> yes, I have, I have two master's degrees. That's why I can say such profound things. I'm only kidding about saying profound things. I do have the degree, and you're wondering why I waste my money. Wherever you go, that's where you are. If your heart ain't changing, you sitting in the, in the Baptist church next Sunday, that's you still your heart. You know, you can go from you can go from Atlanta, Miami, New York, San Francisco, or Trinidad. We don't need near as much a change of address as we need a change of attitude and a change of heart. I will go to my Father. Somebody give a Lord a hand clap here. Oh, my, 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 my. You see, the best direction is the Father's house. 
I said the best direction is the father's house. And the Bible says in verse 13, the latter part, he wasted all his money on wild living. Let me tell you, there's a lot of wrong directions you can go on that will end you up in a hog pen. Here's two of them. Number one, if you choose money at the neglect of God, you will end up in a hog pen every time. Did you hear me? If you choose money and you choose things and you choose materialism, the Bible did not say that money is the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And I have seen many Christians whom God gave them the money they were praying for only to use it to, to, uh, to subsidize their backslidden living. Did you hear what I said? I'm telling you that God knows you have house payment. He knows you have a car payment. He knows you have dental and doctor bills and school and clothes. God knows all those things. But whenever we seek money at the neglect of God, we will end up in a hog pen. And here's another way. Another direction to end up in a hog Wild living. Wild living. And I, I, what I mean by that is I don't necessarily mean just... Partying and drunkenness, that will end up in a hog pen. But I'm talking about attitudes. I'm talking about bad decisions. I'm talking about neglect. Here's the right direction for us, and I'm just going to touch on them very quickly. Here's, here's the right direction to get out the hog pen. Pray. Pray. Oh, listen to me. Oh, but pastor, I heard that before. But, well, if you hadn't changed, I need to hear it again. Did somebody hear what I said? My Lord, in Jesus' name. Your great weapon that God has given you to get out of the hog pen is you may not be able to pray eloquently or poetically or you may not be able to to parse the words and the nouns. But if you could just say, God, I need you. I have disappointed you. Forgive me. Take me back. He will do it. You know, so many of us have been trained to believe grandma's praying, mama's praying, preacher's praying. I'm okay. No, 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 no. Does grandma eat your food? You see that? That sounded ugly, didn't it? Huh? Does grandma take your medicine? Pray. Pray. The right direction, i got to hurry, is reading and memorizing the Word of God. Yeah. We got, we got stuff on the magnet on our refrigerator called 1-800-CLEO in California. That's the palm reading lady. We got our church treasurer is Cleo. You can call her. We, we, we got. Oh, oh, Jesus. See, if I ain't made you mad yet, you can't fault me for not trying. My job here this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. I'm just doing my job. Last thing you want to go out of here to the restaurant today and say, Boy, that preacher didn't earn his pay. No, what you want to go out there and say, Give that preacher a raise. Yes, can, yes. <laughs> Maybe I'm not kidding. The psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. When you know more about what's coming on ABC, NBC, fantasy football, <laughs> yeah, I just have to tell you, then, then, then you know. When you get in your direction from someplace else, dear Abby or somebody else, it's a wonder you end up in the hog pen. We're seeking counsel from people who ain't even saved. 
We spent a $90 an hour to go for a 45 counseling se- minute counseling session with some, some, some kooky psychologist and psychiatrist. And I'm not against psychologists and psychiatrists. I thank God for them. They are helpful. But you, sometimes we're going to some people who ain't even got their act together. Don't even believe in the Bible. Don't even believe in prayer. And we go over there to try to get counsel. And no wonder we end up in a hog pen. <laughs> Let me tell you something else you've got to do to get the right direction. You've got to regularly be in the house of God. Aren't you glad you came? Somebody say amen. Yeah. This is, this is your intensive care room. Every Sunday you come, this is your intense. This, this is where you get your IV of the Holy Ghost pumping in your vein. Can I get an amen? This is your lighthouse when your ship is on a stormy sea. This is your peace in the storm. This is your gas station. This is your bread of life. The Bible says, do not forsake your assembling in the house of God. Yes, this is the place of strength. Yeah. And the Bible, you see, you come here, you may not get nothing for my preaching, and I hope that's not the case, but you can get somebody else praising God. It'll plug you in. You don't always get everything you get from this pulpit. You can see somebody else who came on, even though they suffered a death in their family last week, they're still praising God. That'll inspire you, the house of God. You come to somebody, you find out they lost their job after 20 years and their 401k is non-existent. But here they are back in the house of God saying, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can, can somebody hear me? This, this, this house of God thing, so many Christians, uh, if, they don't have, if they don't have their calendar filled with going seeing grandma, grandpa, the lake, the mountains, or, some, or golfing, or something else, or cleaning the house Sunday, they may go to the house of God. And many people are going to be surprised when they end up in a hog pen how the power of God and the people of God are not there. I'm not mad, I'm just zealous. Here's another right direction. Accountability with one another. We need to find the right person and say, you know what? I got some things I need to ask you to hold me accountable over. I have a bad temper. I'm saying that about hypothetically, okay? I used to, though. You need to say to somebody, my temper is my problem. I get upset and angry and say things I shouldn't. And I want you to call me once a week and ask me how I'm doing. And you pick up the phone and call them. How are you doing with your temper? And they say... And you just, before you hang up, you say, I'm praying for you. And I'm just being lighthearted there, except to tell you that accountability says that I can't make it on my own. I need my brother. I need my sister. I need my mama. I need my daddy. I need my preacher. I need somebody when I get in the hog pen. Or I'm headed to the hog pen before I get in it to say, oh, 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 wrong choice. Account. In this world, we don't seem to want that, do we? But God made it for our protection. I hurry. I hurry. A couple more thoughts. Discipline. Can I get another amen here very quickly? This boy ended up in the hog pen for a lack of self-control. Another amen? This boy, if he'd have stayed in his father's house, helped farm, help plow, help build, help invest, he would have gotten so much. He wouldn't have just gotten so much. He would have gotten so much that he could pass on to his future family. But a lack of self-control caused him to end up in the hog pen. I see it in the Bible. I see Moses missing the promised land because he lost his temper, a lack of self-control. I see Cain, the brother of Abel, The sons of Adam and Eve.
killing his brother, murdering his brother, when God corrected him about a poor sacrifice he bought. God praised his brother's sacrifice because Abel did the right thing, but he chastised and rebuked Cain. And Cain said, instead of me going back and get a better sacrifice, I think I'll just kill my competition. And self-control caused the curse of God to come, lack of it. There's more. David, David. David was a married man, a prosperous man, a wealthy man living in a palace, had more than one wife, had concubines. Any sexual needs that he had could be satisfied in the intimacy of the marriage bed. But because of a lack of discipline, a lack of self-control, he committed adultery with another man's wife. He lied about it. And when he couldn't get out of it because the woman got pregnant, he murdered the man's, the, the woman's husband because of a lack of discipline. Because of a lack of discipline, I told you last Sunday that Samson... Samson's life was abbreviated, came to a quick end because he lived after the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Can I get a witness here, somebody? Oh, oh help me, Jesus. Would you raise your hand and thank God for his presence here? I just, I just, I got to pause right here. Raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody raise your hand and thank God that he's a loving father. Oh, Jesus. Uh, now, 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 for the moment, I just got a few more moments with you. Now, listen, listen to this. Here's what I've discovered. All this junk began in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve was duped by the devil and because of a lack of self-control, they ate of the tree that God said, I forbid you to eat from. Look at the, the screen, Genesis 3 and 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's, my friend, the lust of the flesh. The tree was good for food. You see, God had other trees in the garden. Other fruit in the garden. Other vegetation. They could eat all they want, but this one was forbidden. But the lust of the flesh said, that looks good too. And it was pleasant to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. I've often wondered, Jesus, did you mean it literally when you said it's better for you to go into heaven if your eye offends you? Jesus said in one of the... Uh, Parables, I think, no, not a parable. He was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, if your eyes offend you, pluck it out. And I thought, Jesus, are you serious? And really, I don't think Jesus meant that if your eye offend you, you should literally pluck it out of your hand, you should cut it off. But then on another occasion, because of what I've seen, our eyes, which is the window to our soul. Can I get an amen? Do you know whatever comes in your eyes becomes a photocopy in your head? Can I get a witness here? Jesus said, so offensive your eyes can be to lead you to death and hell, better for you to go to heaven blind because when you get to heaven, I'll give you a new body and that blind stuff will be over because you've got to guard the window. And, and so, so here's the offense and lust of the eyes. And then she saw that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took of his fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband and he ate. The, the third thing there that I see underlined is desirable to make one wise is the pride of life. If we don't practice discipline, we'll stay in a hog pen. But if nobody else goes with us, we need to go to the Father's house. I'm hurrying now. We've got to be determined. Determination means, determination means that I'm leaving where I am. In my mind, in my body, in my spirit. I'm leaving my blaming. I'm leaving my fault finding. I'm leaving my arguing with God. I'm leaving the generational curses. I'm leaving this hog pen of where I am. And I'm going to the Father's house. 
Somebody else say amen. The scripture is there. And, and, and the last word, let me back up. I'm going, to, I'm going too fast here because of the sake of wanting to get it all covered. Discernment. Discernment. Seven words I gave you. Do you know that the Holy Spirit of God is your internal, global, positioning, satellite? Do you know that? Do you know I have a GPS system in my car? This is the kind of portable one you take from car to car. And do you know that I have punched in the address to places I was going to and on occasions ended up going in circles? You're laughing because that's, that's, yeah. Were we not going to South Georgia one night, Pastor Smith, with the global, you went to meet me to preach on Memorial Day weekend. We're going to South Georgia to preach. And we ended up having the opportunity to turn into watermelon patches, cornfields, and otherwise places. Because it said, turn left, turn left, turn left. And worse than my position in satellite is to travel with my friend Calvin Smith because he always loses me. But he is my friend. Discernment. God gave the Holy Ghost to be your positioning. It ain't always about you needing to know where to go as so much as here you are going astray again and you got to get you back on track. There are some people that you need to quit hanging with because they're going to hang you. You, just, you didn't hear me, did you? There's some stuff you're reading that you don't need to dabble with because it's going to damn you. There's a boyfriend or girlfriend or would-be husband or wife that you come through this second marriage and you're hurting or this first marriage and you're lonely and you hadn't yet asked the Holy Ghost if this is the right person. You think about moving here or doing that and you haven't even sat down and prayed and fasted and skipped three meals in one day or two meals and said, Holy Ghost, is this what I'm supposed to do? The Father has your best interest. The Father. When this boy came home, he didn't have... Because of the Father's love, he didn't get his apology out of his mouth. Am I right, brothers and sisters? The Father could have said, you swine of a boy, keep walking past this house. Because the Bible said he saw him from a distance. This is what I believe about the love of the Father. I believe every day before Dad went to bed at night, before the sun began to set, if he had a two-story building or if he just had a flat roof house, before he retired, he'd look down the roads all around the farm. Can I get a, a witness here? Is my boy coming home tonight? Because it's like he's dead. I haven't seen him or heard. Is my... He'd get up in the morning before he would go and tend... As the sun broke over the horizon. Before he'd go and tend to the farm business. He would look in every direction. Is that faltering kind of fumbling footsteps? Or, 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 or person I see way down yonder. I can't recognize their face. I can't recognize their body form. But could that be my boy? And one day it was. boy couldn't apologize needed to but the father says no need because I've been praying over you son and it wasn't going to end this way so come on I'll give you a ring and in that ring be the family's insignia you're my boy come on I'm going to give you some clothes and we're going to put the family's robe on you and come on 
I'm going to give you some sandals for your feet because you look like your, your foot is even cracked and bleeding from your journey. Come on, I'm going to tell the servant, uh, let, we're going to have a barbecue. We've been fattening a cow for a special day like this. And we are, my son that was dead is alive, was lost and is found. If you're glad for the Father, give him some praise. Stand, 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 stand with me. In Jesus' name. After you stand, help me praise him just a little bit more. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Oh, my Oh, blessed be God. Could you lift your hands with me and raise your voices louder than the rain that fell on the roof a little bit ago? Could you thank God for the Father who didn't kill you, but welcome you back? Could you thank Him for the Father, even though your earthly mother and father and you may have had differences? Could you thank the Heavenly Father that He didn't erase you from this world? Come on, I praise you, Lord. I didn't deserve to be forgiven. I didn't deserve, oh God, to be, to be given a home in heaven. I didn't deserve to come up to your table. Come on, somebody praise Him. I didn't deserve, oh God, to be given a new clothing and a ring on my finger. I didn't deserve to live under the same roof. I should have lived, oh God, in your hog pen. I should have lived in your hog pen. But you have given me a bedroom. You have given me a table. You have given me food and shelter and eternal life. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I want you to put your hands down for a moment. I want every Christian that believes that God can pe- bring people out of hog pens, whether we put ourselves there or the devil, I want you to begin praying right now in Jesus' name. Every Christian, pray uh, just lo- loud enough for you to know you're praying in Jesus' name. Pastor Matura, I'm coming back to the Father today. I've heard the word. It's me. I need to quit blaming. I will arise, Pastor. I will arise. I have a desire. I have made a discovery. Oh, come, come on, help me, Jesus. Not only have I have a design, a discovery, I, I, I want now to go in the right direction. And the right direction is the Lord. I, I need to be saved, or I need to come back to the Lord for the, for the second time, or the tenth time. I've gone from the Father's house, and the Father's called me back, and I cannot, I will not let my life end up in a hog pen if I can control it. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to be saved, I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Hold it up high, way up high, come on. I'm looking because I want to confirm your faith. I'm not going to call you out and I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Pray, saints. Pray. Eight, nine. Don't, don't put them down yet. Ten, eleven, twelve. I'm still counting. Thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. Thank you, Jesus. You may put them down now in Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, but for, the, for somebody else. Pastor, when I look at my life and this word today, I can't expect to somebody, for somebody to come and do for me what I can do for myself. I can pray. I can ask forgiveness. I can make the apology. I can go find a job. I will not live in the hog pen. I will not let Satan cause me to depend on pills or artificial substance to keep my life meaningful. I will depend on the Father. The Father. The Heavenly Father. Pastor, I need a closer walk with God. I need... A miracle from God for my marriage. I've got a son. I've got a daughter. I've got somebody I care about that's bound in the hog pen of addiction or sin. Or whatever it is that you don't want to leave today with it with you. You want to leave it at the Father's house and let Him clean it up and turn it around. If that's you, raise your hands. Raise it up by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Put them down now. I've got one more invitation to make. If you raised your hand for either of the reasons I asked, salvation or you're saved and you just need a, 
a miracle from God. You need transformation that you can't produce yourself. Come to the altar in Jesus' name. Come quickly. Come. The altar workers, you come. Staff, you come. Don't look at somebody else. Hurry. If you raised your hands, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you a spectacle. Come on from out this pews. Others of you that are in the church family, raise your hands again and thank God for them with me. Everybody else who see them coming, raise up your hand and say, thank you, Jesus, or praise the Lord. And those of you that have come, begin to praise Him with me. Come on. Those of you that have come to the altar, lift up holy hands. Come on. Lift up holy hands. I praise you. Louder, louder and praising. I worship you, Lord. All over the church, surely all of us have something over which we can rejoice in faith. Thank you, Lord. Some parents are here this morning, and you're just like this father. You're praying over your children. Begin to thank God. Begin to thank God. It doesn't have to end this way. Come on, begin to thank. Some of you have grown children. Some of you have children who are married, and they have children too, and you're worried about it. Begin to thank God. My fa- As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Come on. In the name of Jesus, in the name, oh God, some of you, just those of you in the altar, Lord, I come today because I can't save myself. Go ahead, God, wash me and cleanse me and change me and fill me. Oh, Jesus, 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 we need miracles right now. We need miracles. Come on, pray like you desire it. Don't pray like I ask you. Pray like you really mean business. Pray like you're fighting for your, for your family. Pray like you, you discover that God, that God will help you. And so now you're rededicating your life. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. God, I thank you. If it's my job to go to the hog pen and find that person, give me the desire to do it. If it's my job, oh God, to, to, to step out of my comfort zone, help me to do it. I praise you. Mm. I want everybody in the church to repeat this prayer after me. I want us first to repeat the sinner's prayer for those who came and those who raised their hands. And if you're already saved, just, just do it to encourage them. Would you, everybody, if you're ready, say amen. Say amen if you're ready. Repeat this after me, everybody. Lord Jesus, thank you for the invitation to come to the Father's house. I have gone astray. I have gone into a distant country. The place of sin and pride and rebellion. But today, I ask you to bring me to my senses and direct my steps back to your house. You are my father. You could have killed me, but you've chosen not to. Thank you. Your son Jesus took my sin, paid the price. For my salvation. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is now my Savior. Come into my heart, Jesus. Wash away my sins. Make me a new creation. Beginning today, I will move in the right direction. Thank you for saving me. And now, Holy Spirit, fill me and guide me and use me. And change me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now put your hands together. Celebrate. Celebrate with me. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. (laughs)
Here's a commitment card for everybody who came forward. You can fill it out of here at the front. It's in the basket. It's around you. One of our altar workers have them available. Listen what it is. You know what this is? It's not because we want to harass you. We want to say, you need to be accountable. We're not going to. We're not going to. We're just going to say, we're going to pray over you. We're going to help you so you don't go to the hot pen. Write your name. Write the information here. And let us invite you to get some friends and people around you that will help you in your journey. So I ask if to register before you leave. You can do it up front. You do it back. And it doesn't mean you're a member. That's not how you join the church. It means you join the kingdom of God. And, and I have one more prayer. I got, I got to pray one more prayer, Jesus. You know what? I'll tell you this. I'll be a little transparent with you. I don't want no. I don't want self pity here. Okay, my grandma is poor, but I'll risk it. Here's what bothers me: is that we are in the southern part of the United States, where there are more churches than any other part of the United States. More Bibles, more preachers. We get preached at and preached to more than any culture in the world here in the southern United States. And so many times, right over our head, right beside. I will go home and wrestle with, why didn't so-and-so come? Why didn't that person respond? What did I not do, Jesus? But I ain't going to do that. All I can do is deliver the mail. And whosoever will, let him come and drink. You are not going to die and Satan is not going to kill you prematurely. Did you hear me? Your children are not going to die prematurely. You're not going to have nightmares and bad dreams. And you're not going to have the generational curse over you. I'm speaking the word over you. You, you, are, you are not going to end up in the hog pen and Satan going to laugh at you. You are not. You have royal blood flowing in your vein. Jesus did not die in vain for you. Yes, yes. If you made some mistakes and done some wrong, repent, you have. If you've got to go find somebody, do it. Do whatever it takes. But you are not going to be a has-been. You're a child of the king. I want to pray over you in Jesus' name for the second purpose of which I asked you to come to the altar. And that's a closer walk. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Father, in Jesus' name. Now now you pray over yourself. Pray over yourself. Oh God, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. This pain is real now, but joy is coming. Joy is on the way. Come on, in Jesus' name. My son and daughter, the more I pray for my loved ones, we're thinking the more we pray for them, the meaner the devil makes them. But that's not going to stay that way in Jesus' name. Come on, pray. Oh God, the more I try to live right, the more it seems like I'm messing up. But that's going to change in Jesus' name. God, you're going to bless us with a good mind. Say amen, church. God, we're not going to lose our senses. Come on, somebody. Oh, Heavenly Father, we're not going to lose our children. We're not going to lose our health. We are not going to lose our marriage. We're not going to lose our jobs. And if we lost that job, it's because you have a better job for us. God, we're not living under a blight. We're not living under a curse. God, you have not retired and gone in your rocking chair in the planet or somewhere in heaven. You are alive. You are my healer. You are my portion. You are my deliverer. You are my baptizer. I speak over everybody in this altar. I speak over their mind. I speak over their body. I speak over their future. I speak over their present. I speak freedom. Go ahead and take it. I speak freedom. I speak joy. I speak life and not death in Jesus name you will live and not die in Jesus name 
Now give him some more thanks. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. <laughs> wow. Yes. Somebody say amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody clap your hand one more time. Yes, I live. I will arise. Uh, forgive me if I'm doing therapy on you, but take it. It'll work. Bless, shake somebody's hand. Bless them. Say, God bless you. Give them a hug or some kind of expression. Have a great day and a great life. Go your way.